Good morning and happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. The one time a year you get to shout that in church and everybody knows how to respond back. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Well, in the weeks leading up to Easter, um, we had been, in these last four weeks, taking a few minutes each time we gather at the conclusion of worship to look at various symbols um, of the Passion Week. Each week we added another item. We did Judas's money bag, a crown of thorns, palm branches, a hammer and nails. But let's notice something today. Those are all placed on this table. And on Good Friday we gathered and we had communion and the communion elements were, were set in the middle of the, of the symbols of the passion. But let's notice something about all those today. They're gone. They're gone. The symbols of the passion are gone and lilies are here to replace them. Um, from, from death springs life. And that's the message of the Easter lily. From death springs life. Now, we don't find Easter lilies in the biblical account of the resurrection. But throughout church history, Easter lilies have been a symbol of what Easter represents. It represents life and it represents hope. And friends, that's what Easter is all about. Easter is about life. All the pain and the agony of the cross is replaced by the empty tune. Christ is risen today, the hymn says. Hallelujah. That's the truth. And the lilies show us this. You know, just a short time ago, these lilies were lifeless looking bulbs buried in dirt. But today, they are alive and they are beautiful. Easter is about life. And Easter is not just about life, but Easter is about hope. You see, the the lifeless looking bulbs that were planted in the dirt just a little while ago, they were planted with hope that they would rise through the soil again in splendor. And that's exactly what has happened. Likewise, Easter reminds us again that our hope is in the resurrection of mankind, which is assured because of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus, just like those bulbs buried in the dirt, was buried and he rose again. And he has promised that everyone who is in Christ will rise again also with him for all of eternity. So in all the symbols of the passion, what we said every week is, what's the redemptive message? The redemptive message of the Easter lily is that in Jesus we find true life and true hope. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I've got one housekeeping thing to say. We're taking offering later in the service. If you look on this thing so you guys can be seated for right now. You'll see that on the, on the schedule. Because we are going to move directly into water baptisms this morning. Amen? As part of our Easter celebration today, we're going to do, um, to do some water baptisms. And we do that most every Easter. You know, we've been, somebody said to me today, they said, do you feel more comfortable today? And I said, why? They said, because you're wearing your normal clothes. You don't have, if you're, if you're visiting with us today, for the last six weeks I've wore a t-shirt to church. Did get washed, but it says, I love my church on it. And we talked about for six weeks why we love the church that God created. 
And um, and even though I don't have the shirt on today, I'm going to tell you, I love my church because it's a place where people can come and they can honestly meet the resurrected Savior and they can grow in Christ. They can figure out what it means to be a child of God. And we love, at Portview, we love water baptisms because we love celebrating that. We love celebrating the transformation that happens when people dedicate themselves to following Jesus. And I, and I love doing baptisms all the time, but especially on Easter. Because water baptism is the Easter story told in the life of every person who comes to Jesus for forgiveness and salvation. And that's what the scripture tells us. And I want to do today is grab your Bibles. We're actually going to kind of do a sermon in two halves today. I'm going to do a little half a sermon now. We're going to do water baptism, the rest of the stuff in service, and I'm going to end the service with the other half of the sermon. So grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible and you're visiting with us in the chairs in front of you, in those seats, uh, those little trays, there are some Bibles. You're welcome to take it. Take it home if you don't have one. We'd love for you to have it. We're going to look at the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6, and we're going to see how Easter is the resurrection. It is the, water baptism is the Easter message. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1, says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, and friends, that's Easter, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, Certainly, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we, who no, we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over us, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Look at what it says. Jesus died and rose again. We should be familiar with that, right? That's Good Friday and Easter. He was buried in a tomb and God the Father resurrected him to eternal life. It's by the power of the Spirit that God did that. That's the Easter story. And verse 4 says that our water baptism is symbolic of those events. Look at verse 4. It says, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Friends, we walk in newness of life. And we also die to to sin, it says, with Jesus. It says we were baptized under the water like Jesus was buried in the tomb. 
And that's why we follow the scriptural example teaching in water baptism by immersion. We take a person and we bury them in baptism. That's the symbolism of it. We are symbolically buried with Jesus at baptism. That's our Good Friday. Now, I remind you, for those being baptized, that our Good Friday in baptism is a lot shorter than Jesus' Good Friday because you're just buried for a, a microsecond under the water. We don't hold you under there because you need to breathe. But, we, but you, you symbolically are buried with Jesus at baptism. That's our Good Friday. And then like Jesus, we are resurrected from death by the power and the glory of the Father. We come out of the water just like Jesus came out of the tomb. And that's our Easter morning. Water baptism is the Easter story applied to all of our lives when we follow Jesus. And water baptism goes beyond that. It also it reveals what God's plan is for each of us. That we, He says this in the text, that we would die to our old self, ruled by sin and separated from God, and now live as new persons, living in new life, free from sin's bondage, um, and now living in loving union with the Father. Look what verse 5 says here. Look at it. It says, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. We are like him in dying so that we can live like him. And how does Jesus live? Jesus lives with resurrection power. You may have come into church today and say, you know what, I got problems that are too big for anybody to solve. Well, guess what? You're in the right place. Because when we know Jesus and we've been raised with him, we are raised to live like him with resurrection power. And so Easter is the day that you recognize that anything is possible for God and that nothing is too difficult for God. And look at the results of this empowered life. Look at verses 6 and 7. It says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin. Sin is conquered. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are free to live and to love and to become more and more like Jesus who is our model of truly whole, free Humanity. In Jesus, we can be like Him. We can be free from anger, free from unforgiveness, free from guilt, free from controlling sin, all of that in Christ. Free to live a good and beautiful life in Christ. When we die with Jesus and we are spiritually raised by the power of God, we are free from the control of sin and all the garbage that comes with it. And we are free to become something so much better, even better than you can imagine. Do you grasp what this means? That when we come to Jesus and receive salvation, it doesn't end there. It just begins there. This new life with Jesus is to be a life of resurrection power that overcomes sin and leads to a life of transformation. Because sin is overcome. There is nothing impossible. There is nothing holding you back anymore when you are in Christ. In fact, the Spirit of God within you, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit, every minute of every day is working in you to create a masterpiece that God has always planned 
for you to be. Listen, the reason that God chose to have us recognize salvation by water baptism is so we would get the point that the old life is dead and gone and it's buried and now new life of limitless possibilities by the power of the Holy Spirit is yours. That you, like him, have risen from the grave. Water baptism, Easter, is the declaration that we are now able to live lives of victory and freedom. It becomes our destiny in Christ. So today... What we get to do on Easter Sunday is we get to celebrate with these who have given their lives to Jesus and are are in the process, like all of us who are in Christ, of being transformed from the inside out by God's Spirit. And what they're saying is, you know what? This is what's happening to me. I have given my life to Christ. I have died to the old. I've been risen to the new. And you know what? Only God knows what he has in store for me. But you know what? As I walk with Jesus, he's going to make me into a beautiful masterpiece. That's what water baptism is about. That's what Easter is about. Amen? Amen? Are you enjoying Easter so far? Are you glad you woke up? Amen. Well, you know what? We love our church, don't we? I mean, I love my church for another reason. It's where we worship the risen Savior. And we're going to do something again. Grab your Bibles again today. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at a lot of Scripture today. And uh, flip it over to the Gospel of Mark. I know we heard the, the, uh, the resurrection story this morning, I think, from Matthew. But today I want to look at it in the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 16. Let's see what it says. This is going to be just a short... Don't know if you're panicking going, Pastor, it's like 10 o'clock and you're starting to preach. Remember I said... This is the second half. And so we did the first half before baptism, the second half now. And so Mark 16, starting in verse 1, it says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us? from the entrance to the tomb. Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast seven demons. He went and re- she went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that he was alive and he had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. After that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way to the country. They went away and reported to others, but they did not believe them either. 
Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. Let's stop right there. Can you imagine being a person, one of the twelve or one of the ladies that knew Jesus on that Sunday morning? His followers went to the tomb expecting to continue with what they understood to be a a normal, regular burial tradition. They were going to go and wrap his body and anoint it with spices. But instead they were faced with something they had no one had ever seen before. They were faced with an empty tomb. They weren't only faced with an empty tomb, but they were faced with an angel. An angel spoke words that must have seemed almost impossible. Matter of fact, I think impossible to believe after what they had just gone through just in the previous week of time. In just the last week, they had seen Jesus ride into Jerusalem on a donkey like a king. And they were going, this is it. He's going to be, he's going to set up his kingdom. And the crowds were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They had seen after that Jesus go into the temple, which was the, the, the headquarters of Jewish worship and the, and the one true God's you know, place of expressing himself to the world. And he, he went into that temple and he overturned their tables and he chased people out and he said, Listen, you have turned my house into a den of robbers, but this house shall be called a house of prayer. And they're going, look at he's he's setting up his kingdom. Then they had gone with him and and eaten the Last Supper. The twelve sat with Jesus, and I'm sure they were kind of at this time saying, what's kind of going on here? Because Jesus washes their feet as the leader. He puts a towel on himself. He washes their feet, and he says something that had to sound bizarre. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And they're going, the bread is his flesh, and the and the cup is his his blood. And they're, and they're listening to Jesus. He's saying, as I have served you, now you go and serve others. And then they went out to Gethsemane with him, the garden, where he was in such anguish and agony in prayer that it says Jesus literally sweat drops of blood. And they heard him ask the Father something. They said, Father, Jesus prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. In other words, God, I don't think I want to go through what's ahead. And then they had to be astonished because they were sure he had ridden into town as a king. But now all of a sudden comes a mob in the darkness with torches and clubs. And they're led by the traitor Judas. And they arrest Jesus. They fought back. Peter takes his sword out and, and cuts off the, the ear of the high priest. And Jesus says, put your swords away. And he allows himself to be arrested. And they watched in, in incredible disbelief as Jesus was beaten and spit upon and nailed to a cross between two thieves. And there he died the most horrible death any person could ever die. And so their emotions have been up and their emotions have been down. And then finally they watched him buried in a borrowed tomb and they're thinking, it's over. Nothing he had said seemed to matter anymore, probably. It's over. But then it's Sunday morning. And they're just going to continue on with what was normal when a friend dies Go and finish the process of preparing the body. And it must have been impossible to grasp the words that that angel spoke to the women that morning. He spoke truth. He said this, you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who is crucified. And they would say, yes, that's who we're looking for. But then the angel spoke these words. He has risen. He is not here. Can you imagine for a minute 
How their emotions and their minds must have just been confused and whirling, thinking, what in the world is going on here? With a question mark saying, he's alive? And all of a sudden thinking, wait, he's alive. And friends, that reality, he's alive, from that moment forward, became the central focus of their lives and became the central focus of what we understand to be Christianity. From that moment on, everything in their lives and should be the lives of every person who's been a follower since revolves around this idea of living in a relationship with a living, risen Savior. You see, those 12, that is the story is, is built around, they had been in a very real and intimate relationship with Jesus for th- over three years. They walked with him, they ate with him, they drank with him, they ministered. He gave them, he said, go out with my authority. They could cast out demons because of their relationship with Jesus. They were part of seeing five loaves turned into food for 5,000. They lived in this incredible relationship with Jesus. And what they found um, was that, that he was real and his presence made all the difference in the world. But what they found on that day was that they were still in a very real and intimate relationship because Jesus wasn't dead. He was still alive. In fact, when we look at the book of Acts, which is the history book of the early church, we find that the number one thing that the early Christians talked about wasn't church structure, it wasn't establishing deacons, it wasn't building buildings. The number one thing they repeatedly talked about over and over and over again was the resurrection of Jesus. That they kept saying to everybody, He is alive. That was their main message. It was their primary and really only focus. Grab your Bibles again and look with me in the book of Acts, the the history book of the early church. And I just want to point something out to you because maybe you've not seen this like this before. Turn to the very beginning of the book of Acts, Acts chapter chapter 1. And I'm just going to start, we're just going to go through the first couple of chapters, maybe into the fifth chapter, and I'm just going to flip through with me. And I'm just going to point out how over and over and over and over again, what they keep bringing up is Jesus is alive. They keep bringing up the resurrection. So chapter 1, look in verse, starting in verse 22 with me. I'm just going to read the verses so you can tell the context. But beginning with the baptism, you're trying to fill, occupy or find a replacement for Judas. And saying, this is what the guy's got to be. Beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, the resurrection, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Look at chapter 2. Go to verse 24. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Look at verse 32. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Look at chapter 3, verse 15. But put to death the prince of life, which is Jesus, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. Look at verse 26. For you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Chapter 4, verse 2. Being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Verse 10. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. 
chapter five. Look at verse or chapter four. Look at verse thirty-three. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. Verse five, chapter five, verse thirty. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on the cross. On and on and on it goes through the entire book of Acts, the history book of the early church, the central reality that they understood and that they told everybody about was that Jesus was alive. They didn't talk about doctrine necessarily. They didn't try to tell, convince people to believe, oh, these are the steps you must believe. They just said, listen, God himself, the Son of God who came, he was crucified, he was buried, but he's not dead anymore. He is alive. And it seems as you read through the scriptures, it's all they really talked about. Matter of fact, it wasn't what they talked about just, it's what they lived for and they were willing to die for. It was so important. They said, I will die for this belief. In Acts chapter 25, the Roman governor Festus told King Agrippa that the reason that the Jews wanted Paul executed was because of his belief in the resurrection. Acts 25, 19 says this, But they simply had some points of disagreement with him, Paul, and the religious leaders, about their own religion and about a dead man, Jesus, whom Paul asserted to be alive. Friends, they based their very lives on the resurrection. Paul died because he said, listen, I won't give up the belief in the resurrection because I saw him alive. How can I say it's not true? See, what was normal for the early church was living in the reality that Jesus is alive. To them, that's what Christianity was. And friends, that's what Christianity is. Jesus, the Son of God, is alive and everyone needs to find a relationship with Him, come to know the risen Savior, and find salvation in Him. Christianity wasn't for them about buildings or programs. It was about a risen, living Savior. And friends, that's how the gospel, that's how the the scriptures portray the gospel. And sometimes we get this idea of the gospel. We try to think of, when we say the gospel, we think of how can I describe how you're saved and all this stuff. But that's not how the scriptures portray the gospel. The apostle Paul, the primary writer of the New Testament, when he wanted to say, what's the gospel that people have to believe in? He says, listen, it's just the death and resurrection of Jesus. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with me and let me show you something that, that maybe you hadn't really thought of before. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, because we like to try to make everything make sense and say this is how you have to believe this stuff. Well, they made it really simple. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1. It says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you. So this is what the Apostle Paul preached which you also received, in other words, they heard it, in which you also stand, so they're living their life by it, by which you were also saved, he said, this is the message you were saved by, if you hold fast the words which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And this is the message. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. 
and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he has appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom until, or remain till now, but some have fallen asleep or they've died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Look what Paul says the gospel is. He says it's really simple. This is the gospel by which you are saved. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. I think it was God's plan. And he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He says, that's the gospel. He says, Paul says, the gospel message is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's the good news. When we talk about what the good news is, the good news is Easter. The good news is Jesus is alive. The resurrection wasn't just an important thing for them, and it shouldn't just be an important thing for us. It shouldn't just be an Easter Sunday thing for us. It is the most important thing for us because it was the most important thing for them. Because those early Christians believed that Jesus was alive and that he said, I will be with you always then by my spirit. It affected everything. It affected how they lived. It affected how they looked at life. It affected how they approached everything. They would face any situation knowing that they were not alone ever. Even if no one stood with them, they were never alone because Jesus was there and Jesus would be with them and Jesus would care for them. So they were able to live in peace and contentment and with great courage and with great boldness because they knew that Jesus was with them always. Well, friends, if there's ever been a time when Christians need to live with peace and contentment and courage and boldness, it's today. And how do we do it? It's because of the truth of the resurrection on Easter Sunday. Jesus is alive. Friends, that's why we celebrate Easter and that's why we really celebrate Easter every week. Easter is meant to remind us that Jesus is alive. He's not some name of some religious guy who died 2,000 years ago. He is the living, risen Savior, and he's just as alive right now as when he walked in the streets of Galilee with the twelve. Jesus is with us. And friends, you and I, if we know Christ, we can face anything, just like the early church. Because we, because I understand this. I am one in whom the living Christ dwells and delights. And I live in the stable and unshakable kingdom of God. Today, Easter Sunday, let's wrap our heart and our head around the truth that Jesus is alive. Jesus, by his spirit, is here for each and every one of us today. And friends, if you haven't already, I challenge you today, open up your heart and your life to Him. It's not about understanding a whole bunch of theology. That can come later. It's about understanding that God is real and alive and He's for us by His Spirit here today and we can welcome Him into our lives and our worlds. That's the truth of of Easter. Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to...